0: Hey guys, I'm Chasity, and you're listening to the Ancient Conspiracies Podcast, where we connect the origins of some of the most popular conspiracy theories to biblical history. You all look great. The end of the republic has never looked better. Folks, there is a new world order that's being created. We need a new global financial order. I urge the international community to embrace its responsibility for creating that new world order. A new world order based upon collective action. When our founders declared a new order of the ages, they were acting on an ancient hope that is meant to be fulfilled. There is a chance for the president of the United States to use this disaster to carry out what his father, a phrase his father used, I think only once, and hasn't been used since, and that is a new world order. Where are we as we think about this time in American foreign policy? Are we at a special moment which is being redefined? Uh, are we creating a new world order? We're seeing a new world order now being built, a post-World War II a world order. And I don't think America can retreat from that. I think we have to balance and adapt and adjust uh, to the realities and the currents of this new world order. We meet here at a moment of testing for Europe And the United States, and for the international order that we have worked for generations to build. You're about to graduate into a complex and borderless world. So I think that everything that we've lived and learned tells us that we will never come out on top if we accept advice from soundbite salesmen and carnival barkers who pretend the most powerful country on Earth can remain great by looking inward and hiding behind walls at a time that technology has made that impossible to do and unwise to even attempt. Because this university is blessed with a global vision and so are you, its graduates now. I believe we and particularly you, your class, has an incredible window of opportunity to lead in shaping A new world order for the 21st century. Well, welcome to 2023. Now, the clip you just heard was taken from a documentary on YouTube called Babylon USA. It's made by Pastor Steven Anderson. And just a forewarning, if you choose to seek out that documentary, I want to make you aware that he's a pretty controversial guy and he holds a pretty strong stand on certain biblical topics, which has garnered him a little bit of a reputation for being somewhat extreme. But he also has some amazing insights into scripture. So I tend to take what I find to be true and scriptural and leave his more extreme perspectives behind. So with that said, I have a phenomenal episode for you today. In fact, when I started this podcast back in September, I was laying the timeline just so that I could share this information with you. This episode was the pinnacle that I had in mind when I first started. So I'm so excited that we finally reached this point and that this is how I get to start out the new year. So there's a book that I've had for several years now called The Fallen Angels and the Origins of Evil. And I actually read it years before realizing who the author was. Her name is Elizabeth Clare Prophet, and she was once a well-known New Age teacher. Now, I'm in no way into New Age beliefs or promoting them, but in the intro of her book... She offers a really interesting historic perspective of the fallen angels that falls right in line with what I do believe. And her theory is that the spirits of the fallen angels have not only inhabited with mankind in the past, But they've continued to survive on earth, either physically or spiritually, without interruption since the days of Noah. And she describes them as what they are, the absolute embodiment of evil. And she quotes St. Justin, a martyr who was known for defending Christianity against the attacks and misunderstandings of the pagans. In his writings called The Second Apology, he spends a considerable amount of time discussing fallen angels, and he agreed with the Book of Enoch that these angels fell through lust. He claims that they, quote, "...subsequently subjected the human race to themselves, partly by magic writings, partly by the fear they instilled into them and the punishments they inflicted upon them, And partly by instructing them in the use of sacrifices, incense, and libations, which they really needed after becoming slaves of their lustful passions. And among men, they engaged in murders, wars, adulteries, and every species of sin. And in case you're new to the podcast and have never heard of fallen angels or angels in general exhibiting such deviant behavior, This is a reference to the Book of Enoch, which expounds on a passage in Genesis 6, where we're told that when mankind began to increase in number on the earth, and daughters were born unto them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were beautiful, and they married any of them they chose. Now, in the Book of Enoch, we're told that these sons of God were actually a group of angels called the Watchers, what we would consider today guardian angels, who became so overcome with lust for the women of earth that they broke rank and abandoned their heavenly estate, just as we're told in Jude chapter 1 verse 6. And this is where we get all of the ancient mythology accounts of the gods and the demigods. And the book of Enoch goes on to say that not only did these fallen angels corrupt the DNA of every living thing on earth but they also corrupted knowledge. They taught mankind a corrupt version of the secrets of heaven, including astrology, drug usage, and how to conjure spirits. They also taught women cosmetology and the art of seduction to fulfill their lustful desires. And they taught man the art of war, purely for their own entertainment. And this is what grieved God and caused him to bring the flood of Noah. Now we're told in the Book of Enoch that God not only curses the fallen angels and binds them in prison, But he issues judgment for their offspring as well. Because they were born of earthly women, their bodies were mortal and would die. But since they had angelic fathers, their spirits were eternal. And rather than be allowed entrance into heaven upon their death, God cursed their spirits to roam the earth as evil spirits. And this may very well be why the fallen angels also taught mankind how to conjure spirits and access their knowledge through mixing plants into potions. Now in episode nine, I put forth some evidence that the fallen angel offspring, the giants, may have actually survived the flood and continued to commingle with mankind. And in episode 10, I shared how this ancient bloodline was traced, the purest of which elevated themselves as the gods of earth and became all of the royal lineages. So exactly as Elizabeth Clare Prophet said in her book, these fallen angels did indeed continue to survive on Earth, both physically and spiritually, and so did their knowledge. In episode 11, I introduced the idea that not only was this historical account of the pre-flood world passed down through the survivors of this ancient bloodline, but certain secret societies even promote the idea that the son of Cain actually preserved this corrupt fallen angel knowledge on pillars of stone to survive the flood. And it was found after the flood and brought to Nimrod, the first king on Earth post-flood. And this esoteric knowledge was then preserved within small groups, what became secret societies, many of which also eventually included members of those royal bloodlines. And if you remember from Episode 8, long after the giants died off, people continued to believe that their spirits had the ability to return and cause destruction. These evil demonic spirits instilled absolute terror in people and inflicted punishments on any who didn't continually offer sacrifices to them, including human and child sacrifices. We're talking about the darkest evil you can possibly fathom, full of lust, hatred, and taking sheer delight in snuffing out life. And that's why Elizabeth Clare Prophet goes on to say that whether or not the early church fathers realized it, the ramifications of their statements were far-reaching. They suggested, for example, that the evil ones in our midst, the Hitlers of past and present and other nameless killers without conscience, might actually be of an entirely different psychological and spiritual makeup than other souls on planet Earth. For these evil spirits, murder is sheer joy. In fact, some of the most soulless murderers refer to it as the most intimate act. And she poses the question, is it because through the taking of life, they get as close as they ever will to the life essence or the God essence in mankind? Since they've already lost the divine spark and their place in heaven, they have nothing to lose and everything to gain from shedding the blood and life essence of the children of God. And they have no remorse for their conduct, and forgiveness is not even open to them. So without a divine spark, they have no pity for their victims, no ability to feel for them. They don't feel empathy or sympathy for taking a life or many lives. She says, quote, these soulless beings in positions of power today legitimize war while claiming that it brings liberty. They are so dead that they have no response to the cries of people begging to stop the waging arms races, nor do they give a thought to stop misappropriating people's money in the inner sanctum of their banking systems. Instead, they take people's gold and give them an inflated, worthless currency in exchange for their hard work. They even manipulate the food of the world in order to gain military objectives. They rob the nations in order to achieve political ends. The Watchers, by their words and deeds, have been eroding our planet for a very long time. Our civilization, our religion, and if they could, our very souls. They disdain the human race and regard us as nothing more than an experiment to do their bidding, whom so far they've managed to contain by regulation of the basic necessities of life and population control, not only through war, but through abortion." no one but these fallen angels could have masterminded such a complex and cunning scheme to subjugate the people of earth to their total dominion by every means and madness and she introduces the concept that these soulless spirits have elevated themselves over the centuries to positions of power in both church and state as prime movers in matters of war and finance sitting in the banking houses and on policymaking councils that determine the actual fate of mankind by population control and genetic engineering, the control of energy and commodities, education and the media, and by ideological and psychopolitical strategies that divide and conquer us on all fronts, which reminds me of a documentary on Netflix that came out in 2020. I highly encourage you to watch it if you're able. It was called The Social Dilemma, and it talks about how this very thing is happening on social media platforms today. And that's what I'd like to expound on today. I'm going to share with you the inner sanctum of these demonic entities and how they are currently planning to reunite the nations under one kingdom and bring about the return of their king, Nimrod, the very person who the Bible identifies as the Antichrist. The information that I'm gonna to share today are notes that I took from a video I stumbled upon back in February of 2021. Now, I'll link the video in the description of today's episode if you'd like to hear it for yourself. But the video is called, The Plan Is Right on Cue." It's a nod to the famous QAnon movement that was all the rage during President Donald Trump's term. Now, the video connects some of the most recognizable QAnon slogans with the New Age movement, but it also shares a bit of the history of New Age theology and how it connects to the United Nations, and that's what I'm focusing on today. So let's start by introducing the birth of the New Age movement, starting with the mother of New Age beliefs, Alice Bailey. In 1922, she created the Lucifer Publishing Company, and three years later, she changed the name to the Lucius publishing company, and it eventually became known as the Lucius Trust, and keep that in mind because it's going to become important in just a minute. Now, Alice Bailey was a serious student and teacher of theosophy, a religion that promoted Lucifer as an advanced being who descended in order to enlighten what was then primitive man. And this reminds me so much of the very first secret society account mentioned in the 3,000-year-old Sumerian tablets, which I discussed in episode 11. In that account, the Anunnaki came to Earth to mine gold, and they modified the genetics of the primitive beings on the planet to create the first Homo sapiens in order to have slave labor. Eventually, after taking pity on mankind, they decided to enlighten them. So basically, in theosophy, the descent of these, quote, solar angels was not a fall from grace, but rather an act of great sacrifice, as is suggested in the name Lucifer or light bearer. And they wholeheartedly believe that Lucifer came to earth and brought the, quote, black flame of consciousness to the son of Adam, and they believed that this consciousness was his gift to mankind, and for this reason, Lucifer was promoted as a harbinger of light who opened the eyes of primitive man. And this version of history was circulated throughout paganism and it's reappeared in modern day on television shows like Ancient Aliens, which also promotes the concept that sky gods came to Earth, modified our DNA, and then gifted us advanced technology and knowledge. But as we've said before, this is a corrupt version of the story. They did descend earth, they did modify the DNA of mankind, and they did gift us advanced technology. But they did it for their own exaltation and in direct rebellion against Almighty God. And they ultimately enslaved mankind and exalted themselves as our gods. And that's kind of their pattern, to deceive God's creation into worshiping them as God because that's as close as they're ever gonna come to overthrowing him. And to prove my point, this is exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden. The serpent deceived Eve into disobeying God by telling her that she would gain the knowledge of God. And this is still the deception being spread today in secret societies and the new age religion. It's called enlightenment. And in theosophy, it was called the black flame of consciousness. Now, I said all that to say the teachings of Theosophy were recorded by the Lucifer Publishing Company, which eventually became known as the Lucius Trust. And the Lucius Trust is not only still around, but they are headquartered at the United Nations in both London and New York. And they also have headquarters right next door to the United Nations in Geneva, Switzerland. In fact, you can search for yourself on luciustrust.org, that's L-U-C-I-S trust.org that they currently have consultative status with the Economic and Social Council of the United Nations. And they also head a program called World Goodwill that is recognized by the Department of Public Information at the United Nations as a non-governmental organization, meaning that the Lucius Trust and their program World Goodwill are part of a community of non-governmental organizations that play an active role within the United Nations. And World Goodwill strongly believes that the United Nations should be supported as the main hope for humanity's future. And there are six recognitions promoted by World Goodwill. And here are just a few of the snippets of these recognitions. Number one, humanity is not following a haphazard or uncharted course. There is a plan that has always existed and is part of a greater design in the cosmos. Now, if you remember, there was a famous QAnon slogan, trust the plan. Number two, there exists an inner spiritual governance of the world led by enlightened beings whose ideas inspire all forward-thinking evolutionary progress in human consciousness. They are known under such different names as the spiritual hierarchy, the society of illumined minds, Christ and his church, and various other spiritual traditions. Humanity is never left without spiritual guidance or direction under the plan. Number three. There is a widespread expectation that as we approach the age of Matria, as it's known in the East, the world teacher and present head of the spiritual hierarchy, the Christ, will appear among humanity to sound the keynote of a new age. Y'all, this is right on their website. Now my Texan is coming out. And we know that the age that they are speaking of is the Novus Ordo Seclorum, the age of Apollo or the age of Horus. In Buddhism, it was the age of Matria, and the head of that spiritual hierarchy of enlightened beings is the Christ of the pagan world, the Antichrist in Christianity. Number four, there are millions of mentally alert people in all part of the world who are in touch either subconsciously or consciously with the plan to work to give it expression. Now this is talking about meditation which is taught through another branch of the Lucius Trust which I'll expound on in a minute. Number five, the heart of humanity is sound. Now, I don't really have anything enlightening to say about this other than the power of what we allow ourselves to hear and the spiritual power that is behind what we are hearing. Now, this could be a reference to music, movies, and media, all of which could be working in cooperation to promote a narrative that will deceive the nations in the end days. Joseph Goebbels, a German Nazi politician, had a famous quote where he said, if you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. And we're going to touch on this concept in a future episode. And number six, the plan for humanity is based on the principles of sharing, cooperating, practical brotherhood, and right relationships between all people and between nations which basically means share the wealth and equality. No one country is higher than another. No one religion is more important than another. We're all going to be a single empire one day. So just to recap, they're telling us that there is a plan guided by a spiritual governance of enlightened beings who know the plan and are guiding us into an age where their leader, the world teacher, will come to fulfill the plan. That's what it says right on their website. And the New Age religion is the spirituality that runs the United Nations. In fact, there's another article that I'll link in the description of today's podcast from Susan McNeil titled, The Spiritual Work of the United Nations and the Liberation of Humanity. And in the article, she shares her experience being introduced to the religious branch of the Lucius Trust. It's called the Aquarian Age Community. And she not only claims that she saw numerous UN ambassadors and UN staff members being introduced to meditation through these Aquarian Age workshops at the United Nations, but she also claims that their meditation room is housed directly below the General Assembly at the United Nations. And meditation has long been the occult practice of spiritualism, the practice of connecting to demonic entities happening right in the underbelly of the global organization that will one day back the Antichrist. Now let's go back to Alice Bailey, the founder of the Lucius Trust, the publishing company she created to preserve her writings. The books that were written by Alice Bailey were supposedly channeled to her by what she called an Ascended Master. And the purpose of her books were to teach people how to serve the planet of these so-called Ascended Masters into the new age. So in essence, she created the blueprint of the new world order, what we call today, the Great Reset. And in her book, Problems of Humanity, she essentially says that the distribution of the world's wealth and resources are directly connected to the unity of the world. Now, how many times have you heard the phrase distribution of wealth? Well, it originated with her writings, and it's been adopted and promoted even to this day by leaders around the globe. And she says in her book, quote, Where there is uneven distribution of the world's riches and where there is a situation in which some nations have or take everything and other nations lack the necessities of life, It's obvious that there is a trouble breeding factor there and that something must be done. It is therefore essential for the future happiness and progress of humanity that we set aside the old political, religious, and economic ways which have not progressed in their thinking for hundreds of years." And this is where we get the progressive movement, moving us out of those old, quote, archaic ideas and advancing us towards consciousness and connectivity with these demonic entities. And here's where it gets really interesting. In her book, The Externalization of the Hierarchy, she starts laying out this final age and how it will be brought about. And she claims that education will play a large part in it. The system of education will be utilized as the medium of reaching the masses and swinging them into line with the major ideas, and this will be done not by force, but through right understanding, through analysis, discussion, and experiment. Curiously enough, the spiritual hierarchy will then work largely through the world scientists who being at that time convinced of the factual reality of the soul and wise in the uses of the forces of the soul will constitute a linking body of occultists, So in case you missed that, they're going to manipulate the world through education, the education that they promote and through science. And she goes so far as to claim that these scientists will become possessed by the spirits of those ascended masters and will constitute a linking body of occultists now if you remember from episode 11 what was once considered forbidden science alchemy was hidden amongst secret societies and it included spiritualism and sorcery now sorcery is an interesting word in greek it's translated pharmakeia where we derive the English word pharmaceuticals. So these forbidden sciences used to access the spiritual realm was at one point in history only studied within secret societies. In fact, one of the most popular secret societies of the 17th century, the Rosicrucians, claimed to be the last of the sorcerers and the first of the scientists. So it makes perfect sense that she connects scientists with demonic knowledge and claims that they will eventually be used as a vessel of it as well. Now, am I saying that your primary care doctor is possessed? Absolutely not. But what have we seen on a global scale since early 2020? Who were the leading experts that were promoted above even the authority of governments that determined when we all needed to wear a mask and when we all needed to stay home, and then when we all needed to take the jab to rejoin society? It was the scientists. And who came out of the woodwork to re-educate all of the perceived misinformation being circulated during that time? It was the fact checkers, just as Alice Bailey prophesied that we would be manipulated through education and science on a global scale. And today, they aren't just private scientists. There's been a global merging of pharmaceuticals with corporations and oligopolies, which control the market and reduce competition. We are seeing the reduction of choice down to only one option controlled by globalists who want a one-world order. In fact, at one point, the Lucius Trust singled out both George Soros and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation for being key contributors to their cause, proving that the Lucius Trust, who wrote the demonically-inspired blueprint for the Great Reset, is backed and promoted by the wealthiest, globalist, socialist leaders who in the book of Revelations are called Kings without Kingdoms, who will one day back the Antichrist. Now, in Alice Bailey's book, Externalization of the Hierarchy, she goes on to outline nine steps to achieve this new world order. And keep in mind that these were written in the early 1900s, but they are shockingly accurate for what we are experiencing today. Number one, the new world order must meet an immediate need and not satisfy an idealistic vision. Number two, the new world order must be appropriate to a world which has passed through a destructive crisis and to a humanity who has been badly shattered by the experience. That sounds eerily similar to covid Number three, the New World Order must lay a foundation for the future world order only after a time of recovery, of reconstruction, and of rebuilding. Anyone ever heard of the term build back better? Number four, the New World Order will be founded on the recognition that all men are created equal, but are at differing stages of evolutionary development. The domination of proletariat over aristocracy or aristocracy over proletariat must disappear. The control of labor by capital or the control of capital labor must also go. Now, interestingly enough, at the World Economic Forum in early 2021, one billionaire promoted a startling message that capitalism is dead. Number five, in the New World Order, the governing body in any nation should be composed of those who work for the greatest good of the greatest number and who at the same time offer opportunity to all, seeing to it that the individual is left free. Number six, the New World Order will be founded on an acute sense of responsibility. The rule will be, quote, all for one and one for all, unquote which coincidentally was another slogan of QAnon, where we go one, we go all. Number seven, the New World Order will not impose a uniform type of government, a synthetic religion, or a system of standardization upon the nations. The sovereignty rights of each nation will be recognized, and its peculiar genius, individual trends, and racial qualities will be permitted full expression. In one particular only should there be an attempt to produce unity, and that will be in the field of education. Well, let's face it, if you can control education on a global scale, then you unify the thinking of every nation, and deceitfully create the global narrative. Number eight, the New World Order will recognize that the produce of the world, the natural resources of the planet, belong to no one nation, but should be shared by all fair and properly organized distribution of wheat, oil, and mineral wealth of the world will be developed based on the needs of each nation. So this is basically where we get the idea of spread the wealth and socialism. And number nine, in the preparatory period for the New World Order, there will be a steady and regulated disarmament. It will not be optional. No nation will be permitted to produce equipment for destructive purposes or infringe the security of another nation. So what do we see today? Billionaires claiming that capitalism is dead. QAnon promoting all for one and one for all, we all go together. The rise of socialism and the fight to disarm the citizens of every nation. We've also survived a destructive humanitarian crisis, a plague that has left in its wake massive inflation, unemployment, food shortages, and a steady growth of deaths, really similar to the four horsemen in the book of Revelations. Now, do I think that COVID is the crisis in question which was meant to bring about the New World Order? Probably not, but if it isn't, it's definitely the precursor, the trial run of the real deal. And there are some very interesting theories circulating for what that real crisis might actually be. And that's where we're going to pick up next time. So as i mentioned last episode i have a new resource that i'd like to get up and running for you my listeners i'm currently in the process of building a patreon page so that i can offer a platform for community discussion as we go forward and i'd love to create a library of reference material including documentaries that i've saved which can no longer be found online pdfs of books pictures links and other information that i've collected over the years where you can not only see what it is that i'm talking about but also research it more for yourself. And as I've been setting this up, Along with continuing to research new content for the podcast, I've realized that there isn't enough time in the week to do it all. I don't have a team of researchers or technical assistants. I do all of my own work, so rather than continuing to air weekly, I'm going to begin airing every other week and just making slightly longer episodes. This will give me the time to adequately research the topics so that you can get the most accurate information while also managing my Patreon page and my personal projects so just a heads up the next episode will air in two weeks and I thank you in advance for understanding. In the meantime if you're loving the podcast please consider becoming a listener supporter and helping me do what I love so that I can share this knowledge with others. There's a link in the description of today's episode if that's something you're interested in but if financial support isn't an option please consider leaving me a review on whatever platform you're using. Reviews help my podcast tremendously to bring credibility for those who aren't familiar with my show. And as always, hit that subscribe button if you haven't already and share this podcast with a friend. We'll see you next time.